Welcome back to Cold Pizza. Excited to have you again this week. I'm joined with Pastor Matt today. Hey guys. And this week we are obviously still in Hebrews looking forward to really unpacking a lot of these pictures of Christ and this front end and how he is better than just everything. That's what superior means. And then uh, my biggest question from yesterday, Pastor Matt, would be, did you just become a comfort idol? <laughs> Why would you say that? There's a lot of, uh, I want to call it confession and <laughs> an exaltation and recognition of goodness in the world and things to be enjoyed Yeah, in creation, almost as if it was like a chief thing Oh, that, that God's concerned about. You give a great example of how people read into things that I say when I'm preaching. Just telling you what I heard. <laughs> Not that I'm an authority on hearing, but... <laughs> I was going to say, you get an F on both of those. On both, yeah. I did look at you and wink during that time, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's because you probably heard the most amens from me that you ever hear. So. <laughs> I mean, I got a smile out of you. That, that's my amen. Yeah, so you better tell them what I was talking about. I don't remember. I was just nodding my head. I know, but what was I talking about? Enjoying creation, the goodness, that that's where we find our... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I You are a comfort. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that was not what my oh, yeah was about. Mm-hmm. It was a, oh, yes, I remember mm-hmm. uh, that part of the sermon. The, that's what I was goodness. talking about. We were meant for uh, everlasting. Yes. So we needed uh, the... Uh, we We have this sense of wanting to be rid of this fleetingness. Yeah, that's around us, and all we those were, things from creation were meant to be to go on and good to enjoy forever. Yes, you got it. Yes, because God is most gracious to us. <laughs> that's not what Moses says, but whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm excited that your eyes have been open to those things. Um, I guess one of the the things that I would like to unpack first is. You kept talking about looking for your justification and things or, or your hope in things. Why that language specifically? Why the language of, of hope? I, I feel like the first portion of, uh, well, let's say the first portion, meaning the previous, um, what, not six verses, seven verses? <laughs> Four through nine. <laughs> the the other verses that we've just spent the past few weeks on, um, there's this very clear sense of being pressured to justification, like very clear, keep these laws and you will be justified. And we kind of have that court language there, laws and justification, and that's easy to make that connection. Um, but then we get to this verse of like looking to creation, like these things that are decaying that are going to be wrapped up and all of a sudden now kind of the courtroom language is, is really absent. I mean, and, which is fine. Now it was going to pick back up again on that in chapter two. Sure. Um, with this, uh, if we fail to keep, um, uh, to uh, persevere in, in this such great a salvation, then we'll be lost. But, um, but this little section right here seems to kind of leave behind some of the courtroom language where justification and law begins to, like, computes in our head. We, we sure. understand that. I think most of our people understand that. But then when we get to, again, when we get to this creation language, 
I kind of purposefully bounced, if you heard me, I, I kind of use a few phrases uh, interchangeably. If I do X, I will feel justified, or you heard me say, I will find hope, mm-hmm. or I will uh, have a sense of eternal rightness with God or with myself. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of the reason why I shifted there is I think, again, he kind of shifts a little bit. In it's the kind passage. of like a, a mural, and the images are shifting. As you go, the picture changes as you look across the mural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, though, one of my fears with this, with uh, the term justification alone, which I think is ultimately what is happening. I think ultimately we're looking to this, to to creation and our manipulation of creation Mm-hmm. to feel right with God. Like, that's our deepest longing, is to feel right with God, period. Whether even the atheist yeah. is doing what he's doing to feel right with God. He's just, he's just suppressing that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's chucking that out the window. <clears throat> so you and I will go after, justi- uh, go after justification through things that are getting rolled up like old raggedy jeans mm-hmm. and, 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 and or our manipulation of those things, our control of those things. But my, my concern is that we would walk away in that moment saying, well, when I'm trying to manipulate uh, my circumstances, I'm not trying to get justification. I actually see that in Jesus. I claim, I know that I get that through Jesus. That's not what I'm doing. When the reality is, yes, it is what you're doing. Yeah. That, that is what's happening. So I, I don't know what you think about that, but if you've got some other thoughts that might be helpful for... Yeah, I mean, one of my fears is that when... I think justification is absolutely the right word and, and the right topic, emphasis, all that stuff. I think one of my fears is that when we listen to that, that the danger would be to just dismiss that pressing that you had for the first... I mean, it was a shorter sermon, but... For the for the first thirty minutes, of saying, well, I'm I'm not doing that for my justification. That's that's not why I'm mm-hmm. doing you know whatever it might be, and and not realizing how we are always pursuing justification, mm-hmm. resting in something, trusting something for justification, and so the danger is to just dismiss that outright. Yeah. Yep. From a a lack of recognition that that's actually functionally what's driving us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not top of mind, and, and I think that, and I think g- that's real quick. I think that's why I, I was throwing in that word hope. Yeah. And what's it? The hope of it's, it's, it's the hope of eternal justification. I mean, that's well. I like you're using rightness <clears throat> because yeah. what we need is righteousness. Yes. I mean, that, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and so, justification speaks directly to the question of righteousness. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it stops a minute short. I mean, when you look at our full order of salvation, that the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us is a, is a separate step. I mean, it all happens together. But justification is speaking to the fact that we weren't righteous and that there is a need. And so the danger generally is that humans don't think they need justification. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where our world is suppressing is the fact that they need justification. Uh, there's still a longing, there's still a, a desire, a hope that they're missing, 
Uh, but they don't realize it's because they actually need righteousness. They need yeah. some kind of justification. Yeah, yeah. So when we think about that, I was kind of trying to come up with another way to communicate that. And I don't want to tie it too much to this because I do like the idea of rightness. I like that picture of justification. But maybe functionally to help illuminate for people what you're chasing. I think that if you say meaning or identity, I'm doing this thing for meaning, I'm doing this thing because it's my identity or for identity, that I think should clue you into what you're pursuing for justification. Yeah. yeah. What, what am I doing that makes me feel most purposeful? Or whole. Yeah. Or, yeah, or whole. And that's kind of that language hearkening back to rightness. Like that's mm-hmm. it makes me feel most whole, most satisfied, most enriched most um comforted Mm -hmm. um i've used that language past couple weeks like a eternal comfort it's because you're a comfort adult now it's okay (laughs) you made the leap yeah i mean as you as you pursue consider engage in these things you're doing it because you think it says x about you it says something about you Mm, yeah And, and it speaks to this this question that we're trying to to figure out so yeah, this, this is one of my fears is that we would be too quick to dismiss it thinking, well, I'm justified in Christ. I know that. I agree with that. I take communion because of that. Yeah. So so let me go comb through the weeds. What's the big deal? Yeah, exactly. Yep. It, it just becomes a, a therapeutic argument at that point of mm-hmm. just, um, oh, so I shouldn't go search through the weeds because it's just going to be uncomfortable or, or whatever. Um, no, it's actually a damning pursuit yeah yeah that that should change the whole it, thing <laughs> yeah because that's what's that's what's at stake in chapter two verses one through four mm. is so to pursue salvation of the old testament law or justification to pursue justification uh through creation or my manipulation of creation is to neglect so great a salvation, which is to be damned to hell. Hmm. And that's, and now listen, that's not, the, the writer of Hebrews is not saying that to a lost world. Yeah, that's right? true. He's saying that to professing Christians. Mm-hmm. So the, the danger is apostasy. Yeah. That's the point of chapter 2, verse 1, um, is... If you turn to these things, dear Christians, you will neglect the faith. You mm-hmm. will leave it behind. That's the point. So, again, this is following right on the heels of the creational comments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's helpful uh, when you speak a lot, too, of this idea of um, viewing creation with faith. Um, how then should we engage with creation rightly? So if we need to avoid engaging it from a justification hope way, but it is to be enjoyed in a, in a way that is glorifying to God, that, that goes on into eternity, that was designed as the pattern of creation, as we talk about, then how, how should we view creation with faith? How should we look to these things, not for justification, hope, meaning, identity? Yeah. Um, So faith firmly fixed on Christ, meaning 
I'm looking to him as uh, the author and perfecter of faith, which is meaning the one who has truly, fully, perfectly believed and trusts, trusted in the Father and everything the Father has said and done. And through that, living then his righteous life. So we have faith that that has happened, that Christ is that for us, both our imputed righteousness and our uh, propitiation and the power of the resurrection is ours. That, that, that That's our justification. That's signed, sealed, delivered. It's done. When that faith is firmly fixed there, as we get to uh, Hebrews 12 is going to talk about having our eyes fixed firmly on Christ. Then what necessarily flows from that is not just an interaction with creation, but actually a faith-driven interaction with creation. And I think, uh, if, if my assessment's correct, that that idea of a faith interaction with creation is probably lost on most of us. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Because I'm called to live by faith. That doesn't just mean live by faith that Jesus is all that he has said, everything I just described. Yeah. That means more, like to live by faith. That is at its core, but there's more to it than yeah, that. Yeah, the first part is simply just the justification part. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. is the rest of your life. Now, as we're going to talk about in chapter 2, is living by faith uh, in our sanctification. Mm-hmm. So that's where, now, driving that back now to your question, what does that mean for living by faith? How do we interact with that creation then rightly? Well, when our faith is firmly fixed in Christ for our justification, then we'll have eyes to live by faith with creation. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by faith living by faith with creation. I'm going to read an excerpt from the introduction to uh, a book called Future Men, Raising Boys to Fight Giants by um, Doug Wilson. Fantastic book. I'm working through it my second time uh, now. He says this. um, He says, Unbelief is always anchored to the present, while faith looks at that which is unseen. But even here, we only get half the picture. Too often we think that faith only looks at unseen heavenly things, but this truncated approach is really the result of an incipient Gnosticism. So meaning a, uh, a abdication or a neglect of the physical world in... Uh, in a, in pursuit a, of a secret knowledge. In a pursuit of a secret knowledge, like a spiritual, like it's it's over-spiritualism. Like all that matters is the spiritual life. The physical life doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So this incipient Gnosticism. <clears throat> so a faith, if you only think about faith as it relates to heavenly things, uh, and as I just said, like even justification, then you have bought into some form of Gnosticism. Instead of going, actually, that faith means something for the physical world around me, too, which is the, uh, uh, the creational realm that we're talking about right now. How do, I, how do I live by faith here? So, 
In the Bible, faith includes the ability to see that which is unseen because it is still future. He goes on, Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Christ, not the day when he, Abraham, would go to heaven. Faith conquers kingdoms. Faith stops the mouths of lions. Faith turns armies to flight. And faith brings boys up to mature and godly masculinity. But another qualification must be added. The faith exhibited by wise parents of boys is the faith of a farmer or a sculptor or anyone else engaged in the work of shaping, unfolding possibilities. It is not the faith of someone waiting around for lightning to strike. It is the faith of someone who looks at the present and sees what it will become through grace and good works. Mm -hmm. So it's the ability to look, first and foremost, at creation and to see what it will become as I and other Christians bring about grace and good works, God's grace and our good works upon it. So we're back to the creation mandate. I'm going to, op I'm going to exercise dominion and subduing and beauty, life-giving to this creation. But I have to look at it with the faith of what, what should it be and what it can be. So that means if, I, if I'm going to have the, see the chaos around me, I've got to be able to look through the chaos and say, where does this, where is this going? Yeah, for me, what you're describing reminds me of Ephesians 4 of what maturity looks like. Like we're looking until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's a sight beyond like, where's this heading? That's that's where it should go. That's what it can be. Yes. Yeah. So it's... I'm going to interact with creation now, not just based on the reality of chaos in the moment, mm -hmm. but I'm going to interact with creation now, with the chaos in the moment, not washing over that, but looking through it to see where is God intending to take this? Where is it headed? Where should it be? And how am I, by God's grace and good works, going to help it get there? So maybe to now to jump down a little bit further into the weeds here, um, Wilson goes on, he says, countless examples may be multiplied from any given day in the life of a small boy. Again, this is his book on raising boys to be men. He says, say a boy breaks a chair because he was jumping on it from the bunk bed. Now here's his juxtaposition. Unbelief sees the cost of replacing the chair. And, and I think if I know our congregation well, <laughs> most of our people would be thinking that. Yep. Or they would be thinking, oh my gosh, he could have gotten hurt. Or they'd yeah. be thinking, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible because X. Mm -hmm. Most of us are going to be there. So unbelief sees the cost of replacing the chair, but faith sees aggressiveness and courage, both of which obviously need to be directed and disciplined. So faith is going to see, oh... There's an, a, a risk-taking, there's a courage, there's an aggressiveness in this boy. That's a beautiful thing. That's God wants that for my son. Mm -hmm. He probably still shouldn't jump off his bed onto the chair, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I want to look at my son and say something like, uh, what I want to do in that moment is I want to 
by faith parent him towards the righteous expression of that mm-hmm. and a wise expression of that. So, so son, man, I, man, what courage it took for you to jump. I, that's wow. Like that's, and man, it was a lot of risk and aggressiveness. Like those are good. Um, why don't you use that on a punching bag instead? Also, this is why oh. we can't have nice things. <laughs> yes, yes. Or why don't you do that on the trampoline next time? Yeah. You know, at least jump off the roof onto the trampoline next time, not mm-hmm. onto a chair. Like, let's do that. Or how about let's get you a small trampoline and we'll put that in your bedroom. Well, I, and I don't know <laughs> if this is related uh, necessarily to this point, but I appreciate that because you're seeing and identifying character, not just outcomes. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's like, good. that's what's going to actually be molded. It's We talked about this before in parenting classes in the past is um, not just trying to train behavior, but actually training the child, training yeah. the character. Yeah. Yeah. And faith is saying, I believe that this, that God's plan is good and what he wants for my son is good. And I'm going to parent my son toward that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to manipulate creation toward the good that God has planned for it. Yeah. He uh, he gives another couple examples. I'll, I'll finish reading here. He says, suppose a boy gets into a fight protecting his sister. Unbelief sees the lack of wisdom that created a situation that could have been easily avoided, but faith sees an immature masculinity that is starting to assume the burden of manhood. Mm-hmm. But sees that he's wanting to stand up for his sister and take responsibility and execute justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, he's he, not just a boy with character, but he's a boy with character and conviction. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then he says this last uh, last thing. He says, unbelief squashes, but faith teaches. Mm-hmm. Faith takes a boy aside and tells him that this part of what he did was good, while that other part of what he did got in the way. And this is how to do better next time. Hmm. So when I think about creation, then if we are not, I guess let me back up. The only way for us to live that way with creation, to live by faith with creation is if our faith for justification is rooted in Jesus. Why? Because if we don't walk into the room of faith in Christ and hang up our coat of justification on the cross, mm-hmm. then we're going to keep the coat on and walk into all of our other situations of life, yeah. living out this need to feel and keep this coat on us, mm-hmm. to feel justified in everything else that we do. But if we walk in and we hang the coat up on the closet of justification and the cross, then I'm free. I have that uh, uh, solidified. Security. Secure. Yeah, and I have security. I can walk into these other situations, uh, and I will then live out that faith mm-hmm. of these things, too, can be redeemed. I was redeemed because of my justification or yeah. in, in, in results of my justification. Now I'm going to go bring about redemption to creation. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where you landed us yesterday, uh, unless you want to tackle any other examples. Oh yeah, I just, two other ones like you know, if a, a, a car, a broken down car, um, 
we're not saying look at the broken car and go woohoo thank god <laughs> great you know you don't have to look at the broken chair and go awesome something else i get to fix praise god yeah um but to look at that broken car with faith and say um you know i get the opportunity to restore something here mm-hmm. like this is a chance for me to redeem my car or this is an opportunity for me to use this moment to bless a mechanic mm-hmm. who might need to feed his kids or to bless a mechanic who just is a good worker and deserves to be paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so faith sees that this brokenness can be something better and faith sees the good that God is working in the midst of it. Or another example I was thinking of uh, uh, church. If is There's always going to be something about church that is not right mm-hmm. or is not even Surprise. good. <laughs> uh, and the temptation is to try to make that another opportunity for you to feel justified. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can just make this right, then I'll earn my stripes to get into heaven. If I can just fix this, if I can just blow the whistle on this, or if I can just be the voice of reason on this, or... Or if my great ideas will just be heard and listened to on this, then I'll feel justified. Um, versus hanging your coat of justification on the cross and then walking in the church going, you know, this is the good thing. That, you know, this this thing may not be perfect here, but there's, there's still goodness here. Yeah. We and talked then, in our Sunday school class about that. Um, talking about ecclesiology, doctrine of the church, and the fact that these things that aren't necessarily the purest expression of what's necessary in a church might actually just be opportunities for us to do what First John's talking about and say, the world will know you are mine by your love for each other. Mm-hmm. So go love each other and fix these problems. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Just, it's an, it's, it, it's an opportunity to die to self. Yeah. And, and that, Looking through the chaos with faith is ultimately where you landed us in saying, if you're going to be wrapped up in seeking your own justification, that's a lifelong pursuit, and you'll never get there. And that's, you will be distracted for the rest of your life. You're, and you will destroy other people. You'll destroy other people, and you will not find salvation yourself. But if you recognize that your king is already supreme and on the throne, then now you can be, as we talked about in Sunday School too. Uh, for those of you that didn't uh, cheat on me by jumping to the parenting class, uh, the church militant and the church triumphant. And, and I think that that picture of a church that still has to put on their armor, still has to pick up the sword, still has to go to battle, and is a church that is triumphant, not yeah. just now, uh, but in the future, that future hope. Yeah. We know that the the battle has been won. Now we're a church that's not distracted. Now we're a church people who who have a mission from a king who's yeah. supreme, and we serve him. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks uh, for, for helping us dive into this. There's a, there's a lot packed into there, but we're talking about some, some pretty core components of what makes us us. And I think if we tackle these things up front and really try to wrestle with these, particularly coming from the more Jewish-Hebrew background, uh, we'll see really just how ingrained this is in, in all of us. 
So with that, yeah. I want to thank you guys for joining us today, and we will see you next week on Cold Pizza. I want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. See you guys. Thank you.